On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla sets a new EV record at the legendary Nürburgring track in Germany, battery production at Giga Nevada hits a major milestone, Giga Berlin gets much welcomed government support, the supercharger network is poised for more massive growth, and more. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey here with you for episode 319 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for September 12th of 2021. To my left, as always, on the couch, already snoring away, Daisy the Boxer. And first up, before I get to yet another busy week of Tesla news, a correction from last week. I am human, I do my best to get these things correct but I just straight screwed up last week. I got one of the stories wrong. It was the Tesla employee count story from that Elon tweet that I read you. And that number that Elon posted about was for all of Elon Musk's companies, not just Tesla. And I have no excuse for it whatsoever. I went back and looked at it after a couple of kind listeners pointed it out and I simply misread the tweet and got that story wrong. So I do want to apologize for that. And hopefully those mistakes are few and far between, but I will always admit them because why should I leave you with false information? That does not do anyone any good. But hey, uh, on a better note, before I get going this week, uh, referring back here to the episode title, a quick congratulations are in order to the Tesla Model S Plaid development team. Elon tweeted out the Model S Plaid's record-setting lap time card from the world-famous Nürburgring track in Germany. The Model S Plaid set an official world speed record for a production electric car at the ring, completely unmodified, directly from the factory, and that time, 7 minutes, 35 seconds, 579, I guess at that point, hundredths of a second, Next up, as Elon Musk tweets, will be a modified plaid with added aero surfaces, carbon brakes, and track tires. He notes all things that can be done without Tesla being in the loop. And he later added in another tweet, the track software update is probably a few weeks away, parentheses, I know, I know, haha. <laughs> also, waypoints and other things. So uh, if you're curious, by the way, about that new record-setting EV production car time of just under 7 minutes and 36 seconds, 7.35 and a half, the previous record holder was the Porsche Taycan at 7 minutes and 42 seconds, so about a 7.7 seconds differential there. And of course, I, I can't help but smile at Elon acknowledging there in his tweet his own so we shall we say checkered history with giving timelines on that. But probably the thing to note is the uh, waypoints, because that's going to be for everybody, not just for Model S Plaid owners. The track software for the Plaid will be great. I mean, that's those of you that have the Model 3 performance might already be a little bit familiar with that. So it'll be good to see the Model S Plaid get it. But uh, the waypoints are going to be the big deal that applies to everyone, because that's been something that the community has been calling for for quite some time. And if you'll remember back 
to the Plaid launch event that I was privileged enough to be at, the crowd basically uh, politely bullied Elon into it. Someone yelled it out. I played you the clip back on that show in June. Someone yelled it out, and then Elon, you know, took a second and said, do you, do you really want waypoints? And the crowd cheered loudly. So, and so it began that the software team, the poor software team at, at Tesla was suddenly tasked with building waypoints into the navigation system. And apparently that is not too far away, Elon expecting just a few weeks with an asterisk that denotes a few weeks in Elon time, but still certainly something that is on the front burner for the Tesla software team. All right, let's get to the proper Tesla news of the week. First up, a great photo was posted to the Tesla Motors Reddit by user Broke3 showing the one millionth battery pack made at Giga Nevada, a.k.a the artist formerly known as Gigafactory1. Now, I don't know if that same Reddit user also took the photo, but at the very least, thanks to that person for posting it. Anyway, credit aside, the image shows a 2170 battery pack, the very same ones that go in the Model 3 and the Model Y, with a plaque on it that says, we have officially built 1 million packs at Gigafactory Nevada. And then the pack is covered in signatures of at least, if not all of the Giga Nevada employees, a whole lot of them. The pack, this you know, this is a big battery pack. You know how big it is because you know how big your your car is, lengthwise, widthwise, wheelbase wise, and so it is covered in employee signatures, which is super cool to see. Now, first and foremost, I would like to say congratulations to the entire Giga Nevada team. It is simply an incredible accomplishment because again. Do what I always like to do, pull back to the 10,000-foot view on this stuff, and remember that they started building this facility, Giga Nevada, in 2014. So in just seven years, they've gone from a large swath of empty desert outside of Reno to a fully functioning battery factory that has now made over 1 million battery packs for electric cars that are all out on the road today. So everyone, and I do mean everyone that has contributed to that effort at Tesla, past and present, should feel an absolutely immense sense of, of professional and personal pride as well. I mean, that, that team, the team that has made that possible, is a huge part of literally, this is not an exaggeration, literally building the better future that Tesla as a company is trying to do here. Second thing I want to say is that I wonder, okay, looking forward a little bit, we did the 10,000 foot view. Now let's zoom in and look ahead. I wonder how quickly the second million battery packs from Giga Nevada is going to happen. How long is that going to take? It's certainly going to take a lot less than seven years. In fact, I'll just lay out an educated guess here. Maybe two at the most. And also, uh, one other thing comes to mind when I report this story. Once Tesla does switch over to the 4680 cell structural battery pack, I wonder how they're going to quantify this. Since they won't be building packs, per se, I don't believe. They'll be cranking out 4680 cells that get installed as part of the structure of the car during assembly, and each version of the car 
you know, standard range, long range performance, what have you, gets a different number of cells. So I realize that's neither here nor there, but again, the thought occurred to me as I was pondering this story, prepping for the podcast this week. In any case, again, bravo and congratulations to everyone who has ever worked at Giga Nevada. That is just a tremendous achievement. Speaking of good Gigafactory news, here's some good news for Giga Berlin. The German federal government wants to support Tesla's future battery cell plant on the premises with a 1.14 billion euro investment. I saw this story on the Tesla Reddit first, and the story comes from News in 24, who writes, The Federal Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy, aka BMWI, headed by Peter Altmaier from the CDU, believes, as it is uh, as it explained in response to a Tagesspiegel request, excuse me, Tagesspiegel request, quote, if the product and production is successful, a number of 2,000 or more jobs in the battery area of the Grünheide plant is realistic, end quote. With the program, Europe and Germany want to achieve technological independence and promote climate-neutral mobility. Tesla is considered a technology leader. Quote, in 2030, we will see 14 to 15 million electric vehicles on the roads in Germany. Today, there are a million, said Altmaier when handing over the check in Kaiserslautern. The development is going faster than expected. He also mentioned there that Elon Musk wanted to build, quote, a large battery cell gigafactory in Grunheide, end quote. As reported, the U.S. electric car manufacturer has already applied for pre-approval in order to accelerate construction, as was the case with the automotive gigafactory before the final environmental approval. Well, uh, it is really, really great to see the German government getting on board here because they don't have to do it for any sort of moral, clean energy, you know, taking the high road kind of reason here. They can simply follow the money. I mean, I hope they'll do it for the right reasons, but if at bottom, you know, bottom line is they can follow the money because Tesla is going to become a major employer in Berlin. And with the future of automotive being electric all around, what it does is it positions Tesla and by extension Berlin, thanks to this new Gigafactory and forthcoming battery cell factory to be in a strong spot, to be a major source of jobs, and not just that, but a big attractor of talent between the car plant and the battery plant, which will only put more money into the German economy versus, say, another country in the EU getting that money should Tesla have decided to build the battery plant somewhere else. So it's just good business on the part of Germany's elected leaders here and kudos to them for uh, supporting Tesla's battery cell production efforts here over the coming years as they look to spin up a battery plant. On a personal note, uh, I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before, but I absolutely love Germany. I spent a month there during the summer after my sophomore year of high school on a foreign exchange trip. It completely changed my life. I have a million great memories from that month, including in Berlin, and I guess I'll just say before I make my specific Berlin, Giga Berlin factory point, if you have children that are, I guess, probably, you know, teenager or, or at some point, just file this away. 
if they ever have the opportunity to go on a foreign exchange trip, please encourage them to do it because it is, you know, it might not seem like, oh, you know, when you're young, you don't really realize, but, you know, looking back, like, I wish I could do that now. I can't do that now. I have a a career and a family and responsibilities. I can't just like disappear to Europe for a month as amazing as that would be. So if you're, if your children, as they, as they get older and go to high school, ever have that chance, boy, I hope you'll encourage them to do it. Anyway, uh, on a similar note, if I ever do get to go back for any reason to Germany and to Berlin specifically, I've now got an extra item on my to-do list there, which is visit Giga Berlin. Okay, while we're talking about Europe, the whole Mars blog reports that Tesla is gearing up to open up its supercharger network in the Netherlands in uh, October, just next month. Via Twitter, Holmar's uh, blog writes, Tesla is gearing up to open the supercharger network to all cars in the Netherlands first. They've already tested 14 different EVs for compatibility and are reportedly developing a separate app, end quote. Well, you know, thinking through that a little more, that's probably as good of a place to field test this as anywhere else. You know, we've heard Elon say, Yes, they're going to open up the supercharger network to others. And and sure, why not the Netherlands? If Because if, if you've got 14 different EVs, again, those are 14 non-Tesla EVs. That's a lot. That's a, that's a good test that you can pull off there. In, in fact, here in the United States, I'm not even sure that we have 14 different non-Tesla EVs quite yet. I mean, we've got the Leaf, we've got the Bolt. I mean, okay, there are technically a couple of different versions of the Bolt now. We've got the Jaguar I-Pace, the Mustang Mach-E, the Porsche Taycan. The list kind of almost stops after that, at least for the time being, until the Rivian hits the streets. But uh, point is, I'm not sure we would get to 14 here in the U.S., but there are a good number more, like mostly smaller vehicles in particular, like the e-Golf, I, I guess, from Volkswagen uh, over in Europe. So, I mean, we do have that here. But anyway, uh, it will be great to see how this experiment goes in the Netherlands as Tesla looks to continue to open up its supercharger network to everybody around the world. Uh, second, the thing I wanted to mention as well, the separate app that Holmar's blog mentioned there, I think that goes against what was previously understood to be the plan, which I talked about on this podcast not too long ago, that being that you would use the existing Tesla app for even for non-Tesla vehicles. I mean, maybe Tesla feels like that the app is a little too car control focused, for this purpose, and, and understandably so, if that's the case, because that is the Tesla's the Tesla app's primary job, and so maybe they are instead developing and intending to release a separate Tesla supercharging app that's laser focused on the third-party charging experience with you know stuff like billing, a charging map, trip planning, etc. So. It will be fun to see what that separate app ends up looking like if indeed that is the road that Tesla is taking here. Next this week, Tesla is well positioned to continue the massive growth of the supercharger network while we're on that subject, thanks to their supercharger factory in China, which is now at a run rate 
of producing 10,000 V3 supercharger stalls per year. That is a lot. China's Global Times News tweeted, quote, Tesla completed its new supercharger factory in Shanghai on August 20th, media reports said. The plant took seven months to build and can produce 10,000 supercharger V3 units a year, end quote. Now, to put that a bit in perspective for you, that's 10,000 a year of the run rate. There are currently around 25,000 superchargers worldwide total. So this new facility is primed and ready, I think it's quite fair to say, to hit the accelerator pedal on that number. Now, I confess I'm not sure if this plant is going to be shipping out the stalls for worldwide use or if these if this 10,000 a year is only intended for China or the East or what, but my understanding is that supercharger equipment in the United States has been built at least up to this point at Giga Buffalo in New York, AKA the forgotten Gigafactory that doesn't make batteries, but does make Tesla solar panels and solar glass roof tiles. Regardless of that though, the point here is that this is only going to widen Tesla's moat in this very, very crucial sector in the EV game. Because not only are superchargers a practical need, you need them to go anywhere uh, of distance in these cars. Doesn't matter how big the battery, you could have a 500 mile battery pack, you are not gonna make it to the next state if you're, at least if you're out west. I guess in the east coast, 500 miles will get you, (laughs) will get you a few states maybe, but here out west, 500 miles, you know, you're, you're still probably in the same state that you started in. But anyway, uh, the, the, the point is superchargers are not just a practical need. They're also a massive psychological component for somebody that's making the switch or considering making the switch from gasoline to electric. Range anxiety and having fast chargers around to get you where you need to go. Those are big mental hurdles for a lot of people to clear before they'll pull the trigger on buying an electric car. And understandably so, by the way. I don't fault anyone for having that thought, having that feeling. But Tesla is already obviously the market leader in this department, fast charging, interstate charging network. They're they're the leader here by a mile, but... Now they are positioned to make that lead kind of an insurmountable one with a dedicated factory that's building 10,000 V3 supercharger stalls per year. Uh, I would argue that even at this point, if you went and asked a stranger on the street, just or let's say a random car shopper, okay, somebody that is looking for new, a new car, I would argue that superchargers are already pretty baked into Tesla's reputation, like if you were to just go up to again that random car shopper on the street and say, "Oh, what, you know, what do you think of when you think of Tesla?" I mean, they're probably going to think of speed, number 1. They're probably hopefully going to think of safety given Tesla's impeccable safety track record. But I feel like the superchargers would be very high on that list of of uh sort of playing a Tesla word association game with a with a random you know, non-Tesla diehard hardcore fan car buyer. So that's a good thing. And this will only help further that, which only furthers in turn Tesla's mission. Hey, uh, next up, remember that 
sci-fi sounding laser windshield wiper patent that Tesla filed for a couple years ago. I did the story at the time. Well, the patent has been awarded. It is done. Here is part of the Tesla Roddy report, which was originally discovered. The patent was originally discovered by Electrek, so a tip of the cap to them. And Tesla Roddy writes, Tesla's insane laser windshield wiper patent has been officially granted by the United States Patent Office. Filed in May of 2019, the U.S. Patent Office granted the application, giving Tesla an exclusive right for the invention. Tesla outlines the patent in its filing, saying, quote, A cleaning system for a vehicle includes a beam optics assembly that emits a laser beam to irradiate a region on a glass article of the vehicle, debris detection circuitry that detects debris accumulated over the region, and control circuitry. The control circuitry calibrates a set of parameters associated with the laser beam emitted from the beam optics assembly based on detection of the debris accumulated over the region on the glass article, controls an exposure level of the beam uh, of the laser beam on the degree uh, debris accumulated based on the calibration of the set of parameters associated with the laser beam, wherein, believe me, it's almost over, trust me, <laughs> wherein the exposure level is controlled based on pulsing the laser beam at a calibrated rate that limits penetration of the laser beam to a depth that is less than the thickness of the glass article and removes the debris accumulated over the region on the glass article using the laser beam. I guess that's a whole lot of words to just say lasers are going to shoot stuff off your windshield, whether that's water droplets or anything else. Now, uh, Patents don't always see the light of day as as final products, but if any Tesla car is ever going to get this, it's probably going to be the Roadster first and foremost, because that car is not only going to be capable of a top speed in excess of 250 miles per hour, of which a, a, a physical windshield wiper arm assembly is just going to potentially cause problems, but uh, the Roadster is also going to need every bit of weight stripped out of it, as well as every aerodynamic advantage that it can get. Uh, and then if that happens, if this thing, if this laser system does find its way onto the Roadster, I imagine that it will eventually make its way to either some or maybe even all of the rest of the Tesla fleet as that laser system gets cheaper and easier to produce. I would expect the Semi, the Tesla Semi, would be the next in line to get it, and then it would probably move down to the Cybertruck, then the S and the X, and then maybe, perhaps, eventually, the 3, the Y, and the quote-unquote Model 2, the $25,000 car, as well. What I would love to see now is a working prototype of this. I don't care on what vehicle, if it's even on a vehicle, if it's just like on a standalone windshield and Tesla demonstrates it. I mean, maybe it'll be on the next Roadster prototype that shows us the final design of that particular car whenever Tesla sees fit to show it to us, probably not anytime soon, given that the Roadster's been pushed to 2023. But uh, I will say, given that delay of the Roadster, I do now have a little bit more optimism that something crazy like this laser beam windshield system could actually end up making it onto the production version. 
since the car is not coming for another two years, if not more. So in fact, on that note, same with the side view cameras in place of side view wing mirrors as well. The delay of the Roadster buys Tesla and by the way, every other automaker a bit more time to try and convince the United States government to approve those side view cameras just as Europe already has. I've got two more stories for you this week. First up, another city's police force has adopted a Tesla for its police cruiser fleet, and it's possibly in the last state you may have expected. I want to say thank you to Patreon backer and longtime listener Derek Nesselrote for sending this story in from the West Virginia Metro News. And that publication writes, quote, Matthew Haynes, a patrolman with the Nitro Police Department, told Metro News flagship 580 WCHS in Charleston that he's been using the car for around 10 days now and is still getting used to the bells and whistles that come with it. Haynes said this is a trial run with the vehicle that may open up purchasing a few more for the department. One aspect being tested is communication, as there is not a computer system to run reports. Haynes said he has to communicate with Metro 911 via radio continuously. There is also not a divider in the car between the front and back seats, and the car has a tight squeeze, smaller in size than a normal cruiser. The city estimates that it will save more than $40,000 over six years in gas and maintenance costs. Quote, we have to see how well the battery life holds up and how practical it is to use in police work where we might have to accelerate quickly or be on calls for a long period of time, Haynes said test, uh, about testing the car. Well, I'll be honest with you. I had told myself that I was not going to cover these stories anymore, these police departments using Teslas in their police cruiser fleet, even though I will say I enjoy hearing about them. But the reason that I had said, eh, no more, is just because I feel like I've done enough of them now where they're all kind of the same. Somebody on the local police force pushes for a Tesla in order to test out as a police cruiser gets the sign off on it, then gets the car and it ends up being totally awesome and saving the city or town a bunch of money on fuel and maintenance. And as you heard, it's probably going to be the same thing here with Nitro in West Virginia. But I thought I would do this story because it is in, of all places, West Virginia, the coal capital of the United States, and thus probably, as I said at the top of the story, probably one of the last places in America that I would have guessed that this uh, would happen. So I want to say kudos to Officer Haynes and to the Nitro Police Department for being willing to give the Tesla a shot, willing to give a Model 3 a real-world tryout here. And I have little doubt, as I've said with each of these stories, I have little doubt that before too long, they're going to find that the charging is pretty much a non-issue. I mean, remember, you know, two of the concerns were the battery accelerating quickly with regard to battery life and battery life as it pertains to having to sit and idle for a while where, well, guess what? Teslas can idle all day, all week, all month, and, and they emit no emissions while sitting there doing it. So uh, I have I have no doubt that the police department here is going to enjoy that. And then with the acceleration... 
unless they're absolutely driving it like they stole it, there's they're not going to have any sort of major issues with battery life. So uh, I wish them the best of luck and I'm glad they're doing this. And what I hope is that they're, you know, specifically in West Virginia, a coal, it's coal country. My hope is that this police cruiser is going to start a lot of healthy conversations with members of the community. People hopefully will ask about the car's features, the car's performance, and maybe, just maybe, it will even inspire more folks in that community to go to the Tesla website, poke around, maybe even find a Tesla store and go for a drive, and you never know. Once, Because once you drive the car, many of you out there are nodding your head right now in agreement with you. No. Once you drive the car, it, usually it's over. Usually like, well, I got to buy this now. So that's <laughs> that's all you need. Is Tesla just needs to get people in the door, and hopefully this police cruiser in West Virginia will help start a lot of productive conversations within that community. Finally this week, a another great story here about the latest Tesla service center to open. And here to tell you about it, I'm going to throw it to longtime listener and Patreon backer Nicholas from New Mexico. Take it away, Nicholas. Hi, Ryan. This is Nicholas from Albuquerque, New Mexico. We had some exciting Tesla news here in the state yesterday that I wanted to share. Tesla held the grand opening of their first sales, service, and delivery center in the state. I've heard that sales are supposed to start today, service in a couple weeks, and deliveries in a couple months. As you might be aware, New Mexico is one of the states that has laws prohibiting Tesla from operating sales or service centers. Since I just told you they opened one, you might assume this law has changed, but you'd be wrong. Instead, it appears Tesla found a way around the law by working with the Nambe Owinge Pueblo to open this location on tribal lands just outside our state capital. I don't fully understand how this works from a legal perspective, but I'd assume it's similar to how the casinos are allowed to operate on tribal land, even though state law prohibits them. I believe you guys have something similar to this in California with your casinos that you're probably familiar with. Either way, we're very excited to have our first Tesla service center here, here in New Mexico. I can't help but wonder if this is something Tesla might consider in other states with anti-Tesla laws that also have tribal lands if all goes smoothly here in New Mexico. Thanks for all your work every week on the podcast. Please give Daisy a hug for us. Shout out to Nicholas and Tony as well, longtime Patreon backers. Thank you so much. And yes, I am thrilled to help report this story for my audience it's just such a great story. I saw the photos from the grand opening, and it is so wonderful to see. What an absolutely great workaround of what we all agree is a dumb, dealer-lobbied state law. New Mexico is sadly far from the only state with this, but the this these dealer-lobbied state laws preventing Tesla from selling directly to consumers in the state. So kudos to the Nambe tribe for seeing clean energy and really, quite frankly, just basic consumer rights as both the future and present uh, as, as that's something that they want to support both in policy and, by the way, with their land. Because, Nicholas, you were wondering, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm very familiar with this from my uh, upbringing mostly in Arizona where there's a lot of Native American tribes. And yes, that, that, that is 
That is sovereign territory, that is their land. So it is not subject to other, the state laws because it's not really part of the state. So that's why they're able to have casinos and that's why they're able to do stuff like this, partner with Tesla despite New Mexico's rule there. So uh, I love seeing the tribe leading by example here, supporting that clean energy future, supporting that consumer right to purchase. That is awesome. And my hope is that now the rest of New Mexico follows suit very soon. And with that, we have reached the end of the news portion of Ride the Lightning, but stay tuned. That's only about half the show. The second half of the show will kick off with the Ride the Lightning hotline. That's your calls, your questions, your comments, your discussion topics coming up right after this. As promised, it is time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. If you have a question, comment, or discussion topic pertaining to Tesla for the podcast, I invite you to call in and be a part of the podcast. Get your voice heard here, quite literally. You can call the Ride the Lightning Hotline anytime, toll-free, at 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's one 888 TSLA, or you can use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software and just record your question and then email it to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Either way, please try to keep your question to 90 seconds or less so that I can get through as many calls each week as possible. And hey, by the way, the provider of the Ride the Lightning Hotline is Life on Record. If you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. And before I get to that first call, which is going to be from Justin in Long Island, I want to remind you that the monthly Patreon bonus mini episode is now available for Patreon backers at the ludicrous tier or higher. Now, if you hear your name, I'm about to list off the callers of that episode. If you hear your name and you're not in the Patreon group with access to it, Email me, again, teslapodcast at gmail.com, and I am happy to give you a free download token for that bonus mini-episode so that you can hear your call and my response as you were nice enough to call in. The callers for this mini-episode are Jason from Indiana, Jeff from New Jersey, John from West Virginia, Brad from Minnesota, Jared from Seattle, Brian from Ohio, Chris from Massachusetts, Kaz from San Diego, Stefan in uh, excuse me, Stefan in Vancouver, British Columbia. There we go. Larry from Roseville, Sean from Atlanta, and Gil from San Diego. And here is, as promised, Justin from Long Island. Hi, Ryan. Justin from Long Island, New York. First time caller, long time listener. Here with a quick question. I own a 2018 Performance Model 3, and any day now, I'm about to take delivery on a 2021 Tesla Plaid Model S. Can't wait. I'm super excited. Anyway, quick question. Um, do you have any information on the Tesla wireless controller that was actually shown on June 10th at the Model S Plaid delivery event? I was wondering if you had any information if that was coming out anytime soon. Anyway, be well, be safe. Take care. Thanks for answering. 
Hey Justin, excellent question here, and by the way, congratulations on your imminent plaid delivery. Uh, hopefully by the time you hear this, you've received your car. If not, I would imagine you have extremely high odds of getting it in the next couple of weeks before the quarter ends. Anyway, to your question, uh, I did not get to see that controller at the plaid launch event, but I did see pictures of it online later, and while I won't fully judge it until I've held it and tried it for myself, I think I'm reasonably qualified to say, given my line of work during the day, that it doesn't really pass the eye test to me. The buttons don't look that great. The D-pad looks a bit cheap. And the inline thumbsticks, the, the sticks themselves look straight off of a PS4 controller, which I know that's totally fine for a lot of people. Uh, I'm not a fan of the, of the concave, uh, or no, excuse me, convex sticks, although also the position of the thumbsticks is definitely a subjective matter. Um, and I didn't find any pictures that show the triggers, so I can't comment on those. But in my professional video game critic opinion, I would not recommend this controller, even if it was for sale. Although again, I want a caveat, I haven't actually tried it myself. But the, the, since any Bluetooth controller is going to work, what I absolutely can strongly recommend to you is this, the Xbox Series X controller. And the reason is because they are darn near perfect game pads with incredible ergonomics, great build quality, awesome battery life. And what's even cooler is you can basically do your best. You can color match the controller to your car by ordering a custom Xbox controller through the Xbox Design Lab. If you Google that, Xbox Design Lab, you'll find the site and you'll see what I'm talking about. Like for instance, for my car, I could order a red controller with white thumbsticks, triggers, and a white back to match my red exterior, white interior Model 3. But I suppose to answer your question directly, uh, I have not heard about if or when Tesla's own video game controller is going to be made available for sale. There is certainly a chance that it will, but I don't know, something, I, I can't explain why, I may be totally wrong, but my gut tells me it's it's not going to get made, it's just not going to be something that ever moves up high enough on Tesla's priority list that they'll actually build them in any sufficient quantity to sell. Uh, but regardless, I hope my answer there helps in some small way. Let me go next to Brian from Austin, also on the subject of Plaid. Brian, it's Brian from Austin, and I'm reaching out uh, because I just heard on your show this weekend, uh, you had mentioned the benefit of the, of the Roadster getting pushed back to 2023 is that the Plaid would now maintain the title of fastest production vehicle ever. Um, for uh, likely another year because the Roadster was planned to be 22 and now it's 23 at the earliest. Um, and I was a little surprised that you uh, in that statement weren't aware or, or seemed to not be aware that the Remac Nevera um, actually uh, is now the fastest production vehicle in the world, clocking a quarter mile at 8.58 compared to the Plaid's 9.24. And I am a uh, plaid reservation holder expecting delivery in December. So uh, I'm very sad about this, but um, it, it not only is faster than the plaid, but it also is faster than the roadsters anticipated quarter mile time 
of 8.8. So there is a vehicle out right now that is for sale, and I believe in production right now, uh, the Remac Nevera. It's uh, $2.5 million, however, in limited production, but it is now the fastest production vehicle ever made um, as of uh, less than a month ago. So uh, unfortunately for the Plaid, it, it no longer has that title, uh, but still obviously an awesome car. Thank you so much. Hey, Brian. Well, what I meant by my comment was the fastest Tesla specifically that the Plaid would hold that crown. But looking back on it, I totally see how you took it the way you did. Still, you are right, of course. The Remock has been getting a ton of press lately. And by the way, deservedly so, because its pre-production model that they've been bringing around has been tested all over YouTube and by Motor Trend. And it is an absolutely incredible machine from a performance perspective. That said, as you noted, the Remock beats the Plaid at 18 times the price. Now, I love to see what Remock is doing, and, and hopefully their future is going to be bright now that they own Bugatti. But the bummer for me about Remock, speaking as somebody who loves cars, I've loved cars my whole life, is that you will and I will possibly literally never see a Remock Nevera on the road since they're only making 150 of them. And so... While I don't say this dismissively, in a sense, it might as well not exist. Again, please don't take that the wrong way. I'm not trying to be dismissive of the car, but it's just, it's, you will probably never see it. Now, not that rarity is a bad thing. Rarity can be a, it's a, you know, it's sort of a, it's a sought after thing in the car collector space, but 150 of them is just such a teeny tiny number that I just think it's a shame that most of us will never get to check one out at a car show or even let alone encounter it in a parking lot somewhere. Now, as for the Roadster, I would be willing to bet lunch that the Roadster's quarter mile time ends up being better than the Nevera's. It does, after all, have the cold gas thrusters, aka the SpaceX package, as a cheat code. To help it out there. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Thanks, Brian. Next up, Dubs from Cleveland. Hey, Ryan. It's Dubs from Cleveland. Um, got a question for you. Had my Model 3 for over two years now, and um, the wife has just ordered her Model Y. So we're going to be two Tesla household here soon. And I'm wondering if um, we it would be better if we share an account with our both our cars linked to one account or should she create her own account, have her Y linked to that and my three linked to my account? Um, do you know any pros, cons uh, between the two? Um, appreciate any input you have. And thanks for everything you do. Love the podcast. Um, give Dave a pat for me. Bye. Excellent question here, and thank you for calling in. First, I want to invite any multi-Tesla households to email me with a simple yes-no vote on this, but my answer, again, speaking as someone who has not lived with two Teslas at a time, is to say that you probably should put them both on the same account. And the one and really only reason that I can think of for that, but it is, I think, a good reason is that you can easily have both cars on the same Tesla app 
so that you can hop into either car without having to log out and log into the other account. Uh, also, by the way, I'm sure you're already doing this, but just at the risk of assuming, because we know what assuming can do, uh, allow me to kindly remind you to make sure to use your own referral code when ordering the car. You can refer yourself so that you can get those supercharging miles on both cars. And I hope that your wife gets her Model Y soon, Dubs. Cheers. Thank you so much for calling in. Next up, Greg from Washington, D.C. Hey, Ryan. This is Greg from Washington, D.C. Uh, last year, I bought my Model 3, and at the time, I was I was torn between the Model 3 and Model Y, but I ultimately landed on, on the 3, just is slightly more affordable. Now, what's interesting, I guess, possibly with the chip shortage and supply crunch, Tesla is actually giving me a great trade-in offer, uh, and actually the, the offer is just about the same as what I originally paid for the car. And then on top of that, there's there's you know, it seems very likely there's a strong chance a new EV tax credit or rebate will be coming back into play for Tesla this year. Um, so I'm thinking of doing a trade-in to upgrade to a Model Y now. You know, the, the trade-in value and the potential tax credit or rebate seems very likely to at least cover the additional costs and, and then some, depending on the size of the tax credit. So wanted to get your thoughts on this kind of approach. You know, I don't know if you have any insight into – how often those in the Tesla community go through trade-ins and upgrade, uh, and maybe if now is a good opportunity to take advantage of the tax credits coming back and, you know, upgrade while while not maybe spending extra money, especially for those of us who, who bought our Teslas when there wasn't a tax credit before. Uh, thanks for everything you do, and have a great day. Hey, Greg, it is definitely a great time to upgrade right now if you don't mind waiting for a bit, given the backlog of orders, because of, of course, the sky-high trade-in values on used Teslas. And yes, Tesla owners do seem to like to upgrade often. Now, personally, I think that's probably because Tesla is tech and is treated as such more than it's viewed as a traditional car, and people upgrade their smartphones, their computers, and other tech every few years, generally, whereas things that are thought of as cars, and I think most people generally don't upgrade them quite as often. But anyway, uh, my only real word of caution for you is with regards to the new EV tax credit. I don't think it's being too political to say that our government, no matter which party is in control, is not exactly known for getting things done quickly. Uh, there is no guarantee that the new EV tax credit will be passed and signed into law, or if it does, what form it will ultimately take. Now that said, given that, as I had listened to your call, uh, I guess a couple weeks ago now, I've uh, had it in my queue here, orders placed now for the Y show delivery estimates of January, unless you spring for the performance model, in which case, You'll have it in about six, seven weeks. You could put down a $250 non-refundable order deposit and just decide to eat that $250 if the tax credit doesn't come around or if you change your mind for whatever reason. So I hope that helps in some way as you weigh your decision. Next, DJ from LA talking video games, which is, of course, right up my alley. What up, Ryan? It's DJ from LA. Quick question, man. There's a new Forza Horizon coming out, and I was told, and I kind of looked it up, that there was no Teslas in it. 
I didn't find a definitive answer. So I wanted to find out, find out if you know if there are any, and if not, why? Because they were in one of the previous versions. I don't remember which one, but uh, yeah, thanks. First of all, I have to correct myself in response to that last caller, Greg, real quick. The current Model Y long-range delivery estimates are now back to February, not January, so that continues to move. Anyway, uh, DJ, I always appreciate getting video game-related Tesla questions when those two worlds can overlap, because, of course, my day job being what it is. The bad news is that so far... There are no Teslas confirmed for Forza Horizon 5, which, for those of you who are curious, will be released for Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, and PC on November 9th. The good news, though, is that Microsoft and developer Playground Games have not revealed the full car list yet. In fact, they've only done one big drop of uh, uh, on a, the car list this past week. And so even if the Tesla doesn't end up making the final list... There's still a little room for optimism. There's a chance it could end up being a downloadable car later because that's actually exactly how it went the last time that Tesla was in a Forza game, which was Forza Horizon 3 and the Model S P90D was a downloadable car. Now, the Porsche Taycan was just announced for Forza Horizon 5, which I do think is relevant in that it means there's no philosophical opposition, at least, to having EVs in Forza Horizon 5. Not that we would have expected there would be, but, you know, it's still good to have that definitively checked off the list of potential roadblocks. So hopefully Tesla is finally going to decide to get back into video games because, for whatever reason, they have not opted in on any video games in recent years. Now, I will certainly mention it on the podcast if any Tesla gets announced for Forza Horizon 5. I expect if one does, it would either be the Plaid S or possibly uh, the Performance Model 3 because uh, these games get done so far in advance that the Plaid probably wouldn't have made it into the game. I mean, a game that's out in November, the Plaid only just came out in June. Realistically, the Plaid's probably not going to be in the game. Uh, Again, if it's in there, but it would I would suspect it would likely be either the P100DS or the Performance 3. Uh, let me do one more call this week. It's Brian from Union, Kentucky. Go ahead, Brian. Hey, Ryan. This is Brian McMillan from Union, Kentucky. Uh, first-time caller and recently discovered the podcast, but really been enjoying it and wanted to say thank you for everything you do for the community. I've got a question that I have not heard addressed on your podcast and haven't really seen talked about much online. So I've got a 2020 Model 3 with just the the basic uh, autopilot, you know, auto steer and and traffic aware cruise control, no full self-driving package. And I'm on the latest software, I believe it's 2021.24.10, and I notice ever since I had the car that when I'm on autopilot on the highway, it does a really poor job of tracking semi-trailers on the screen itself, right? So when you're driving past SUVs, cars, motorcycles, it does a pretty good job of showing those cars in the adjacent lanes and 
they actually appear on the screen where they are in real life, <laughs> if you will. But semis are just the opposite. They're bouncing around when you pass them and sometimes look like they're even going to run into you on the screen. Obviously not, not in real life, but it's to the point that when I have uh, people in the car for the first time, they're really questioning it, wondering what's going on. Why does it do that? And I don't have a good answer. So I was curious if this has been addressed by Elon or maybe in the new full self-driving betas, they've, they've talked about it or showed improvements to how it tracks semi-trucks. Uh, not sure, but I apologize if this has been addressed before and I missed it, but I, I do appreciate everything you do and I'll look forward to your response. Thanks, Ryan. Brian, welcome to the podcast and thank you for calling in. Uh, this was addressed to a certain degree at AI Day. Now, as you heard in my episode there, I did not recap every little thing from that presentation because it was such a dense two hours, but that did come up. Uh, the long and the short of it is that the vision-only neural net rewrite should address this. So you can tell your anxious passengers that it is a known issue and Tesla is working on it. Uh, but fortunately, at least the car itself isn't reacting to how those semi trucks are rendered on the screens. That's <laughs> that's the ultimate bottom line good news. But I hope that helps, Brian. Appreciate the call. And thanks to all of you for calling in. I do sincerely appreciate it. I love hearing from you. I love having all of your voices on the podcast. So please do call in if you've got a Tesla question or discussion topic that comes to mind. I gave you the two call-in options at the top of this segment. But I'm not done yet. Stick around. There is more Ride the Lightning to come right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. I got a couple of fun messages from family members this week. In my extended family, which is a big one, admittedly, my mom is one of seven big, uh, big Catholic families, so I got a lot of aunts and uncles and cousins, but we are now up to five Teslas in the extended family after two more people joined the fun this week, joined the group. So in addition to myself, my cousin Pat, who of course was the first with his very early Model S, and then my cousin Sean, my cousin Robert picked up a, a blue performance Model 3 this week. Congratulations to him. And uh, I guess he technically hasn't taken delivery yet, but he is uh, about to my cousin Zach getting a standard range plus Model 3 this week. So I'm telling you, what's interesting about this is other than Pat, it's all my generation. And I think the, the, maybe the point to take away from that is that these are not all car people. Like I definitely am. I don't even know if I'd consider any of them, any of the other four necessarily car people. And it, but it just goes to show you that there's just something about Tesla with, with my generation and the younger generation where it's just very desirable. It's very cool. It's, it's very desired. And I think it's just going to snowball as time goes on, the Cybertruck, I think, is going to go a long way towards appealing to the younger, younger crowd. I guess quick anecdote on, on that. I know I'm getting off tangent a little bit this week, but I'm in a carpool with my daughter's school 
uh, where we you know split time with other parents. And so it's a total of one, two, three, four kids. The, the, my Model 3 is full. So it's three in the back, one in the front. And uh, somehow, like they, they were, you know, they know I've got a Tesla and they find it interesting. But one of them asked about, oh, are they doing like a, like a, I forget how they phrased it, some sort of inquiry about the Cybertruck, like they'd heard something about it. And I said, oh yeah, and I just used, you know, I'm driving them. I pulled up the browser, the in-car browser, and just went to tesla.com slash Cybertruck. And they were enamored by it and just started asking me questions. They all loved it. You know, I know it's very much a love it or hate it design with adults, but at least in this small little pocket of, of kids that are all around 10 years old, they all loved it. They were all, uh, in fact, the next day, it's uh, it's it's three girls and a boy, my daughter, two other girls, and then a boy. And uh, the boy was, the next day, he's like, can we look at the picture of the Cybertruck again? And so I just pulled the page back up. And, uh, and, and so I'm telling you, man, kids, they, they know what's up with Tesla. They love it. They sense it. They just know. And they're, they don't have any preconceived notions of, you know, any biases towards or against gas cars. They just, they just see it for what it is like, oh, okay. It's electric. It doesn't have any emissions and it goes fast and it's safe. Like they just kind of see it with clear eyes with, with just fresh eyes. The next generation, it's going to be crazy with Tesla. I mean, I, I can't wait to see it anyway. Uh, a quick entertainment recommendation for you this week. I was made aware uh, recently, Transformers Season 1. For those of you around my age or maybe a touch older, Generation 1, G1 of Transformers, that cartoon, which I adored as a kid, the first season from 1984 is free to watch on YouTube now. So it's on my, I've got it bookmarked. I haven't started it yet. And I have, to be fair, I have no idea if it's going to hold up or if it's just going to be terrible in, in, you know, as of, as a 40 year old adult in 2021, I don't know. But, uh, if that is of interest to you, check that out. All right. Time for the pro tip of the week. It comes from Nicole in British Columbia, who's a model Y owner. Go ahead, Nicole. Hi, Ryan. This is Nicole. I'm from BC, Canada. Um, I'm in my Model Y right now. And first, I wanted to say, love your podcast. Uh, it's amazing. We are um, a part of a new, te- part, newly part of the Tesla family. Um, this is a pro tip. Might not seem too pro, but it was a surprise to me. We always um, have to tell our friends about the button on the doors. Um, to open and shut the doors. But recently, one of my friends got in the car and was trying to figure out how to open the door. And he pulled a lever that I didn't even know was in on the door, um, on, under the button for the door and above the window button in between the handle to open and shut the door. There's a little lever that you can pull that's pretty sneaky, um, hidden right down there that you can actually pull to open the door. So I hope you guys are having a great day and thanks for um, letting me leave a message on the podcast. Bye. Nicole, thank you for calling in and I am very glad that you are enjoying your new Model Y. Uh, I'm also glad that you mentioned this because it is good to let people know to not pull that manual lever. It's there as an emergency release in case the button fails. My understanding is that repeatedly using that manual lever can damage the door 
or at least the window, because apparently it does not drop the window down uh, slightly to you know clear the the door frame there. So if you do that repeatedly over time, you risk damaging that. So try to let people know about that button. I mean, on my 2018 Model 3, I've just got that little, it's just a little horizontal line. It's a dash that tells you absolutely nothing. In more recent times, Tesla switched the label on it to an actual car icon with a door open, which seemed like a great solution to the problem. But now on the newest cars, and Nicole, maybe yours has this, They've switched it again to a less than sign. In other words, kind of a sideways V or call it a Cybertruck version of Pac-Man. On the passenger side, it's a greater than sign. Uh, basically, like an arrow. Each one points toward the outside of the car. I'm not sure why Tesla made another change there because it sure seemed like they had this solved but now they've gone and made it a bit more vague again. So anyway, Nicole, thank you very much for your call. And if anyone else out there has a pro tip of the week that they'd like to share with their fellow owners and enthusiasts, please call in with it. You call in the same way that you send in a regular Ride the Lightning hotline call, and I gave you the instructions for that a little earlier in the podcast. And with that, let me do some plugs here real quick, hopefully some things that will be of use to you. Uh, Let me start with my Patreon, if you wouldn't mind. The Patreon, of course, is the primary means through which you can voluntarily choose to support the podcast, and I hope at some point you will. Maybe it's today, maybe it's next week, maybe it's next month. Hopefully soon you feel like, hey, you know, Ryan, I really enjoy this podcast. You put a lot into it. It's there every week, like clockwork. I'd like to support you on Patreon. You can find all of the information for how to do that on my Patreon page, which is found at patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The support tiers start at just five bucks a month, or you can do uh, just pay once for the year. You can do an annual pledge option as well. But as you go up, you get a bunch of cool little perks that all stack up. Uh, all the way up to the maximum pledge. Actually, it does go higher. There's the Roadster and Space tier, but the uh, you know probably the the most popular of the higher tiers, the maximum plaid tier. That one gets you the uh, monthly Google Hangout with the group, which is so much fun. It gets you the shout out every week. It gets you the monthly bonus mini episode. It gets you the early access. Good stuff. So again, uh, if you wouldn't mind, at some point, I would be humbled and grateful if you would take a look at my Patreon page. Again, patreon.com slash Podcast. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com is your home for all the finest Tesla aftermarket accessories, a lot of different lighting options, which I highly recommend you browse around and check out. Just, there's a lot. So just go there, abstractocean.com. I promise you it will be worth the two minutes you will take to at least browse around, see what they've got. Odds are you're going to find something you like. And if you do pile it all into the shopping cart and use the coupon code RTL podcast at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTL podcast, all one word. Meanwhile, the snap plate for all four Teslas can be found at everyamp.com slash RTL, and it is the front license plate bracket 
for people that don't want to have to have a front license plate bracket but need to. It will snap on and off in seconds, but when it's on, it's on there securely. It's not going to mess with your paint, your autopilot, anything. Uh, It just goes on there clean. There's no automotive adhesive tape sticking to the front of your car the way there is with the one that Tesla gives you. So grab that if you need a front license plate. If you have to have one on your car for your uh, your local legal ramifications for your local uh, rules and regulations, get it at everyamp.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, Immaculate Reflections, booking up, so get in touch sooner rather than later, irdetailing.com, or you can check out the uh, quality of the work at yelp.com slash Immaculate Reflections. Obviously, Yelp, it's all user reviews, so uh, you can get a a more unbiased take there than just going to the website. But the website, irdetailing.com, is how you're going to get in touch with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. There's a discount for listeners of this podcast. All you got to do is mention when you reach out and contact Jeff through the website that you're a Ride the Lightning listener, and if you decide to book work with him, there will be a discount waiting for you. Paint correction paint protection film, ceramic coating, any and all levels of detail work, you are going to get a very professional, very thorough, very beautiful work, a very beautiful job done to your car. If you, anytime you're, you see my car, if you get, you will see rolling proof of Jeff's talent and dedication to his craft. Uh, what else? Ah, puretesla.com slash RTL. One website, just go there, get your one-stop shop dash cam slash sentry mode kit. 49 bucks shipped for free anywhere in the United States. And that gets you 128 gigabytes of ultra-reliable dash cam and sentry mode uh, memory storage. But if that's not enough, you want 256 gigabytes Well, they've got that too for $69, also shipped free anywhere in the U.S. So again, puretesla.com slash RTL. And then Jada, they've got their family of products. For those of you with new 2021 Model 3s and Model Ys, they've got their Jada USB Hub Console, Storage Organizer, USB Hub, Apple Watch Charger, AirPod Charger, all-in-one. For those of you with older Model 3s, such as myself, The Jada wireless charging pad is the number one accessory that I would recommend for any Model 3 that doesn't already have it built in, which is my car. So I've got it. I love it. It's a valuable accessory in my opinion. If you want to get any of it though, whatever the, whichever Jada product you're after, use the coupon code RTL for a discount. And if you wouldn't mind in return for that discount code, please use my referral link which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. That'll be the website you want to go to, then go shopping and use that coupon code RTL. And finally, I mentioned this last week, Brad from Minnesota has come up with a clever new product for those of you with 2021 threes and Ys. It is just a cool little special charging mount, molded charging mount, If you have AirPods Pro that you want to charge on the wireless charging pad or and or you have an iPhone 12 mini that just won't really fit on that thing otherwise or won't won't sit on there well enough to take a 
a charge because it's tiny. So he's got these little mounts that go right in the wireless charging pad and uh, they will solve that problem and, and allow you to charge those devices on your built-in center console charging device. So Brad is offering 15% off of your order to all RTL listeners. Just go to karendu.com, that's K-A-R-A-N-D-U. Select which product you want because they've got driver side and passenger side. And then enter RTL as the coupon code and you'll get that 15% discount. So check that out for those of you with those devices and a 2021 3 or Y. That will about wrap it up. Uh, I'm on just about every major podcast service, so be sure to follow slash subscribe slash whatever they're calling it these days so that each new episode gets pushed out to you automatically and you don't have to remember to go look for it each week. So you can follow slash subscribe to me on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, the latter two being built natively into your car so you can listen natively straight through your car. Uh, or I'm also on YouTube. It's just audio. You're just staring at the art, the Ride the Lightning logo. But if you just prefer to listen via YouTube, if you just have that tab open during the day and that's how you want to listen to the podcast, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you'll find my channel and you can subscribe there. That We'll about wrap it up. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm the same handle on both of those social media platforms at DMC underscore Ryan. And with that, let me thank the Plaid Maximum Plaid and Roadster in Space tier backers, starting with the Plaid crew, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zalesny, Joshua Walker, Rick Dean, and not Elon Musk. And the Maximum Plaid backers, thank you to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Charles Galpin, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversoll, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Matt Kalen, Zachary Howard, and Tyler Smith. And finally, the Roadster in Space tier backers. An extra thank you goes out to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Scooter Ward, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, and Crafty Geek. Thank you all very much 
for your kind, generous, and continued support of my efforts here with Ride the Lightning via Patreon. And I think that will about do it for episode 319 of Ride the Lightning. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back next week, same time. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.